Well, good morning. It's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Got a few things to say a little bit, but I wanted to give a shout out to some folks that are back in Oregon, have moved back. It's great to have the thorns back uh, until at least till October sometime, right? And, uh, and then I met uh, a young lady today. Is it uh, Tracy that moved here? Just down from, is Seattle. In, from Seattle. And uh, it's great to have you as well. Uh, our daughter Amanda is up from UCLA, up to see us and, uh, for the weekend. Uh, and Jesse's here, Max. I think the Mays family is coming as well from, um, um, from over in Bend. It's, it's encouraging to see that team come together. Yes. And they're going over there in June to start God's church in Bend, Oregon. Amen. That's so cool. Wouldn't it be exciting to be a part of something like that? Yes. Uh, we're encouraged, we're inspired by the, the faith that's motivating Joey, Madison, and Max and Jesse and others are going over to Amy, and uh, we're excited about what's happening uh, in, in the state of Oregon when it comes to teaching God's Word. I have a, a slide for you to begin with. Easter is love. Sounds nice. And we say things like that, and that's cool, but what do we do with it? What do we do with it tomorrow morning, Tuesday afternoon, Thursday night? Oh, go to the next slide, please. Thank you. Easter is the cross and the resurrection. Uh, getting a little more definitive here. Um, if you go to this next one for me, please. Oh, there's he. Now that's Easter, right? Come on now. I, I grew up with a mom who her love language was uh, gift giving. Words of affirmation too, but gift giving was her thing. So Easter was like chocolate Christmas. We'd get up Easter morning, and he'd run down it. It's like finding where the the, the, the you know wasn't it Christmas tree. But there was a, an Easter corner, and there'd be chocolate galore and Easter baskets, and, uh, and in the middle of the Easter basket would be the, the chocolate bunny. And the ones that were solid chocolate, those were the ones. The hollow ones, that's kind of, ah, you know, that's all right. But what you did with the solid ones, you'd take that baby out later that day, peel the foil back to the ear, and start chewing on it. And then when you had enough, you put it in the fridge, and you had no worry that it'd be there tomorrow because it's you've been all over that chocolate bunny, and nobody else wanted to mess with your chocolate bunny. And then later on, you go back and pull your chocolate bunny out, and you start to get down the eyes and the neck, and it just keep and last a week or two. So, just, Trey, this is my chocolate bunny. Keep me. But all right, all right, I, I brought you guys some Dove milk chocolate squares. Trey, can you catch? Can you pass them out for me? Whoa. There you go. Hey. Open it up. Hey, pass it out. Hey. Uh, only, only one per person, Trey. Uh, not, not one bag per person. Carrie, will open it for you. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was getting my hair cut this week for, uh, for Easter, an Easter haircut. And uh, I, was, I walked in and said, yeah, I need to get my, my hair cut for, for Sunday because uh, I'm, I'm doing the sermon for Easter and I, I, I got to, you know, it's getting too long. And, and I got to be honest, too, when it gets longer, all the gray comes out. And, and you could see it there on the, the apron and, and I'm done. I'm going, that's, that's the person's before me here, right? That's that, mine couldn't be that gray. Yeah, no, no, no. But I was talking to her about the sermon and, and, you know, how as a kid, you know, the chocolate Christmas and the whole thing. And she said, yeah, well, you know, the way I view Easter is it's the day after Easter and all the stores have sales on it. That's what I like about Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Good, 
got a little teaching here to do in our society, don't we? Because for the Christian, those who made the decision to be disciples of Jesus, Easter is every day. I get to live a resurrected life every single day. But I also get to carry my cross every single day. The life that I've died to so I could live a different life. Okay, this first point. The cross. There's two points. The cross and the resurrection. The cross. The weekend that changed the world for eternity for all people who would ever live. That sounds big. It is big. Look at me over in 1 Peter chapter 2. We come out of the Bible because the idea is that this is God's word, and this is what we need to follow. There's a lot of ideas out there, are there not? Turn on TV. Turn on the radio. Go on the internet. Go to campus. and You'll hear all kinds of ideas. But the one that matters to me is the one that made my life and created this universe. That's whose opinion I'm really concerned about. Others might have some interesting ideas, but it's God's opinion that matters. So we teach in other scriptures is this is the way to have a relationship with God and live the life that he's called us to live. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says in verse 21, to this you are called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Carrie, are they good? <laughs> I like the dark chocolate personally, but anyway. Verse 22. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I'd like to go to the next uh, slide, please. This is the scripture we just read. There's five great points from this scripture. I'll go fast. Don't get too afraid. It said, he did not retaliate, but forgave. He bore our sins in his body on the tree, died of sin, lived for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed like sheep going astray. This first point, he did not retaliate, but forgave. Friday, I, I stepped into McDonald's, get a coffee or whatever. I wanted to spend some time working on the sermon. So I had a bunch of notes from me. And I saw a gentleman over there in the booth that I had, had reached out to or talked to before in the past. So I, I saw him. And it had been a while, so I, I went up and I put down the, an Easter invitation card, those little pink purplish ones that we all have, the Easter pastel colors, really nice. Stacy came up with those, good job. And so I put it down, and as soon as I put it down, he slapped it with his hand and went flying across the, the restaurant. Now, the first part of me, the first inkling was, I want to do something in retaliation. You guys ever felt that way? Somebody does something to you, says something to you, and you want to retaliate? Some way. I, I got this, you know, problem with me is I can have a quick tongue. Anybody like that? You know, uh, Sandy raised her hand. I, I agree, Sandy. You, you and I, you know, you got the... Uh, <laughs> and so I, 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 I almost literally bit my tongue. And so I just walked over, bent down, and picked up the invitation. Because I know there's some things in his life that caused him to have a problem embracing anybody. Mm -hmm. 
But Jesus is willing to not retaliate, but to forgive, because he knows there's some things in our lives that makes it really hard for me and you to embrace God, to embrace Jesus on the cross. Because some other things we want to be doing, and other ways we want to be thinking, that make us hard for us to embrace God and, and still think and be that way, and do those things. But God still says, I'm going to forgive you. I'm waiting for you to come back to me. And I've given you a life of however many years I'm going to give you to embrace me back. And I'm going to keep coming for you until you do or until you breathe your last. Then that's, that's done. But until that happens, I'm going to keep trying to put that invitation to your table. You can swat away as many times as you want, but I'm not going to retaliate. I'm going to keep trying to do that. And I'm going to keep coming back for you until you either do it my way and have a relationship with me the way I, I, I created you to have or you no longer live. God says, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm just going to keep giving you a way to come to me. Continuing on down that scripture, that second point got up there. Is he bore our sins in his body on the tree. You know, we talk about the cross as being a piece of jewelry or some kind of finely sand, polyurethane, uh, metal, woodworking looking item. He was a tree with a horizontal cross member, a T. He took the responsibilities of a world and gave us a way out. He took responsibility for our sin and gave us a way out. One who never committed a sin and no deceit was ever found in his mouth, he was the one that took my sin, my pride, my sinning, my anger, my hate, prejudice, my deceit, my lying, my sexual immorality, my pornography, masturbation, drunkenness. I could go on, could I not? The guy that never committed any of those died so I could have a way back and still not going to retaliate even if I push it away. I'm not that way. I want to retaliate in a McDonald's where a guy just flips my card off his table. You see how far distant I can be from what God's asking me to be? I gotta bite my tongue just not to, to lash out at the guy doing that. He took that responsibility and gave us a way back to God, a pathway to forgiveness and a pathway to change. Wow. Next, die to sin, live for righteousness. If we could come back to this. Um, Slide in a minute, but if we go forward to the next one. Matthew chapter 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily. That's actually Luke 9, sorry. And follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the Father's glory and his angels, and then he'll reward each person according to what he's done. And then the same sermon he gave, but another location, another date. You, you see a, a similar phrase down in Luke 9, verse 23. Then Jesus said to them all, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Back in college when I became a Christian, I needed that word daily. I've heard growing up about taking up your cross. There's an old William Penn uh, saying from a few hundred years ago, no cross, no crown. The idea, you know, the, the guys when they're working out or whatever, no pain, no gain. Okay. Yeah, I get that. 
But Christianity, it's every day I'm supposed to carry my cross. So I'm supposed to deny myself and things that I might want that would separate me from my God and separate me from other people. I'm supposed to say no to those things, to carry my cross daily. See, I grew up religious in the South. You go to church on Sunday, and sometimes you don't go. And it didn't matter. The church would send you an envelope in the mail, and you could put your contribution in and send it on in. No interaction with other people. No biblical teaching required. So this idea of living a Christian life daily was foreign, yet attractive. Scary, yet attractive. You know, if you're going to be resurrected, you've got to die first. Completely. When I study the Bible, especially with a lot of young men, college age, I like to keep involved with the campus ministry because that's where I became a Christian. I love that, that time of life. And, and studying the Bible, you know, Somebody says, well, I'll give up this, this, and this, but these things I don't know if I can give up. You have to die completely before you can be resurrected. You can't be partially alive and be raised to a new life. The little analogy I like to give is like, imagine there's a major car accident. The EMTs show up, and there's the guy. He's barely hanging on to life. One of the EMTs says, ah, it's almost lunchtime. He's almost gone. Bag him, tag him. Let's we'll move on. Nobody would think that would be right. He's still alive. Let's try. If he's not alive, let's try to get him back. If we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, be resurrected to a new life, you and I have to die to an old life first. Not just intend. Not just have good intentions. Not to change a few things in life. There has to be a death. Yes. Of thinking. Of attitudes. Of taking out the things that shouldn't be there and putting in things that God wants there. Hey, this is a big deal. Jesus' death on the cross was violent. And it was challenging. And even the night before, he prayed to God three times, God, I don't want to do this. Is there any other way? because he didn't want to be separated from God because of, of our sins. Yet he did it. That decision to die is a violent decision, believe me. And before you make it, if you're truly doing it as the scriptures teach, you'll have so many temptations and pulls in your life, you won't believe it. I felt like those weeks before I was making this decision, I was in this tug of war. You know, the old, the old commercials, you know, Tom and Jerry, you, know, you got the, the, the little uh, angel on one shoulder and the devil whispering things in your ear. It felt like that. It was weird. Yeah. I, I'm not a conspiracy type guy. I don't believe the black helicopters hovering. I don't, not, government does this or that. I, I don't believe people can keep secrets, one person or a thousand. I just don't believe it. But when it comes to spiritual matters, there are incredible things going on that I cannot control. And I'm a pawn in those things. And I felt it. And some of the things that happened that came my way, they were trying to tempt me to do certain things. I could not believe this was happening right before I decided to become a disciple of Jesus. <laughs> because I was on the verge of making that decision to die to an old life. If we go back to the previous slide. Thank you. D says, by his wounds, you have been 
You know, it's, um, it's hard to know how much healing we need when we're around others that need the same healing. Yeah. See, I realized this as a freshman in college. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and live the rest of my life following Jesus, I've got to make my best friends people who are doing the same thing. And I'm going to have to date women who are living the same way and marry a woman who's the same way. That was something that made total sense to me. I've been in a lot of organizations, different sports teams, Boy Scouts, on and on, you name it. That's, those folks in those groups became my best friends. And we did things together. We encouraged each other. We supported one another. We helped one another. Somebody wouldn't practice for certain things. Man, he not only heard from coach, he heard from guys on the team. Where were you? Man, were you just sleeping in? I saw you at school today and you wanted to practice. Where were you? Christian friends like that. <laughs> One of my uh, buddies on the swim team many years ago when I was swimming, we had girls' locker room, guys' locker room, so we were at the pool, and we got dressed and uh, ready to swim, and he's walking out, he's got his goggles in one hand, and, and he's you know, got your Speedo on, he's walking, he didn't realize that the back of his Speedo was ripped all the way up in there. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and he walks by and goes, Mike! And he's just walking on out there like, <laughs> and so quickly, bro, let me grab back in the locker room, quick. What, 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 what? what are you, what's wrong with you? Get back in here. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, oh thanks. <laughs> you need Christian friends like that. Bro, you need some help. I need some help. Let's help each other. I like when Christians kind of make that pact with each other to be kind of accountability partners with each other. Let's help each other on this. Let's call each other. Let's pray for each other. We see each other's talk about this. Instead of walking around with gaping wounds all the time, with ripped britches. We need some friends like that. But if we're not hanging around with people like that, we don't understand how egregious our wounds are. This next couple of script, uh, slides. From the famous uh, Passion of the Christ, the flogging. The next one, on the cross. Sometimes we just don't realize where our life is because we're not around anybody trying to do anything different. I'll accept a little religion, and I'll have a few people around me with a little religion. Is that guy carrying his cross daily? I don't know. I don't know if I want to hang around that. I had to make a decision my freshman year. I'm going to make Christians my best friends, even if they're not cool to other people. Yep. If I made a decision, whether you're cool or uncool, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, I'm going to make you my best friend. Even if we don't click right off the bat. Even if we don't have chemistry, right? The first time we do, you know, talk. I'm going to make you my best friend because you're a disciple of Jesus, and I need that. I know you do too, but I need that. I'm going to make Christians my best friend. And I lived on a dorm floor 
while I was making that decision with a lot of funny guys, cool dudes. They were. I got to admit, some of them were fun to be around, but they weren't the followers of Jesus Christ. There was no question about that. But I knew I had to make some new friends. If you could go back a couple to the um, one before that, please. Thank you. This last one, like sheep going astray. We can miss how much healing I need. And I can miss how much I really need the Christians. Kind of follow up on this point a little bit more. I don't want to go astray and I don't want to be deceived in life. I have to constantly encourage myself about my own teaching publicly because I want it to be palatable, but I want it to be the truth. And in a society today that has watered down morality, taken God and his word out of the public arena, I want to continue to teach God's truth. I don't want to teach the truth of our day. Or in 10 years, be teaching the truth of another day in 10 years. The truth back when I was younger, back in the you know, made decision early 80s, our society was drastically different than what it is today. And many moral issues. Wherever society goes, society is going to go. I want to stay on God's word that will not change and will not be different. I don't know if you do or not. People say, well, then you're a hater. You're, you're, you're judging me. No, I, I'm not because I tell people frequently, please come and hear the word. Please come to our worship service. Please come to church. Please get to know the Christians. You won't be judged. You will be someone respected. And you'll be shown the dignity of being a creation of God. But if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to all have to make some changes. We're all going to have to backtrack out of a few things and redirect ourselves. That is hard to ask people to do because we've committed so far down these certain paths, it is hard to get people to backtrack out of certain things and then shift and go somewhere else. That is hard to do. Relationships depend on it. People you know and love are going to be hurt. Well, you just won't be around me more. I want to do it God's way. And I want to do it with those who are going to do it God's way. I had a lot of friends that when I backtracked and pivoted to another direction for God, didn't want to go that way. And they told me so. I don't want it. And I don't really want to hang with you anymore. That hurt. But some did. And they became disciples of Jesus too. Hey, it's hard to realize the healing that needs to take place and directional changes that need to take place in my life. That is challenging. Because it will affect the people around your life. That's the cross that I have to bear. That every day I need to carry this cross. The question is, do you want to carry it? If you don't, you can find many, many versions of something that's watered down and doesn't require what we're teaching from the scriptures. You can find that if you want. You can find pats on the back. You can find somebody that will let you walk around with britches or something hanging from your nose or whatever and say, ah, we're okay. We got to get it. No problem. Or you have a friend who'll say, you know what? Bro, let me grab you, pull you back in here. Can we talk? That's the kind of friends I want. I hope you do too. Okay, this, this next point. The second point. The resurrection. All right. Uh, 
Just if we could go ahead to two, three. I can't remember how you went. One more. There it is. He is risen. Mark 16, 6. You don't have to turn there. He has risen. This means something. <laughs> He's risen. He's done something no other human has done. <laughs> risen from the dead after three days. Anybody involved with biochemistry? This is really cool to think. What? Really? That's freaky. Yes, it is. Some people might say, well, two people in the Garden of Eden, that's kind of weird. Uh, a guy being swallowed by a big fish for three days and regurgitated on the sand. That's strange. Uh, a guy dying on a cross and whipped like he was and flogged and coming to life with me. That's strange. Well, you know, um, some people say, well, reading that Bible as though it's from God. It's 2,000 years ago and all the people have interpreted it. So it can't be, can't be right. You know, I think the real issue is that we have to be willing to believe that there is a God. If I follow a God that created our universe by simply saying, let there be light. Do you think he can keep a book the way he wants it for a couple thousand years? Do you think he can, one who made the double helix of reciprocating DNA can produce cells and life every nine months in human beings and we get to witness that miracle every time it happens? If we have a God who can do that, can he keep a dude alive in some big fish for a while? How? How? I don't know, but he could. Maybe, maybe there's scuba gear in there. Maybe it's so cold and there's cryogenics. Maybe he was partially digested and God just put all the molecules back together and boom, he came out on the sand. I don't know. But if a God can do all that he's, I believe he can do, taking a guy out of fish's belly and putting him on the back of the sand is not a big deal. Arising, raising a guy out of a tomb that's been there for three days. The question is not the Bible or the crucifixion story. It's, do you really believe in God? Could a human do any of those things? Of course not. But God can. Look at me over in Philippians chapter 3. Book of Philippians. Is Sean in here? Sean Madden? He was downstairs. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Remind me when he comes in. I, I got a, today's his birthday. He's one of the singers up here. So I had a card in here, and he, he's making me have a hard time turning back towards what the card was. I remember, I got, I got a birthday card in here for him. So when he comes in, we'll just surprise him with a birthday card. There you go. It's his birthday today. So. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul's writing this who was very accomplished in Judaism, was headed for a seat on the Sanhedrin, the 70-seat board that ruled the theocracy of Israel. It says in verse 7, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness that comes by, uh, of my own, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Wow. A lot said right there. Uh, there's multiple sermons right there, but... Just a few points, if I could, please, before we close. If you could, um, 
Can you go to the next uh, slide for me? This is Philippians uh, 3 I just read uh, in the Amplified Version. It says, But whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything a loss compared to the possession uh, of the possession of the priceless privilege, um, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, of who progressively I become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything, considered all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win and gain Christ, the anointed one, that I may actually be found and known as in him. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more and deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing, understanding the, the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in some way come to know the power overflowing from his resurrection, which extends to all believers, and that I may so share in sufferings as he continually transforms the spirit to his likeness and even to his death, in the hope that, if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Wow. We get to choose what we want in life. That's the love of God. Some people call it free will. Okay, that's cool. As a minister, <laughs> I've confessed many times, I get so frustrated with free will. <laughs> As a young man, a young minister, I, I try to twist arms. I try to make. I try to compel in a way that was over the line. People get a choice. I say, well, God, why do you give that? Because without that, it's not love. You're just a pet if you're made to do whatever God wants you to do. God says, I want this to be a mutual relationship of love, that I choose you and you choose me. Mm. You know, Paul says here, I consider everything a loss. Nothing's supposed to compare to our relationship with God. Hey, my wife's my most important and beloved human relationship I have. But God's more important. Yep. I remember talking to some of the baseball dads when my son played baseball. And I was talking to him about that. We even talked about that at the dinner table, how dad loves God first, then mom, and then the kids, and then our little dog bikini after that. And all the three kids the same. And, and one of the baseball dads, well, what, you said that to your wife? Did you look? Yes, and she likes it. See, the more I can love God, the more capability I have to love others. Because if it's just me, I run out of love real fast. I'm wanting to retaliate a guy who flips an invitation off a table at McDonald's. That's how little love can be there without God in me. See, the more I love God, the more I can love those around me. The question is, have we gotten that place in life? God's going to come first no matter what price I have to pay. If I decide to do this, no matter how anybody reacts to me, I'm going to pay that price because I want this relationships. I want this relationship. It's one of those daily relationships of life. We all have daily relationships, don't we? My wife's a daily relationship. My children, especially when they're home, daily relationships. It's great to have Amanda up here for the weekend with us. Easter weekend. But God's my daily relationship. I tell Christians, well, if you're having trouble reading the Bible or, or praying, talking to God, that says something about where we are with God. 
It's like if I was a marital, uh, marital counselor and so a guy said, well, I have trouble wanting to talk to my wife every day. You know, once or twice a week would be fine. <laughs> we got a problem here. And we all understand that. I don't want to talk to my kids. We've got a problem here. I have trouble talking to God. We've got a problem here. This next point, I want to know Christ. Life's about God. It's not about me. It's not about what I want to get done and what human desires I want to tickle and fancy and play with. It's about me knowing Christ. This third point is I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to change. I'm not the same man that on August 5th, 1989, married my wife Cheryl. And she'll probably give you a few amens and hallelujahs there. <laughs> I get to grow as a husband. Why? Because I love her and I want that relationship to grow and she wants to as well. I want to you know, put her needs before my own and she wants to put my needs before her own. And see, when you do that, you can see how two people can become one. Otherwise, it's just two singles living under one roof. No matter how many rings you have on it, doesn't you know? We got to be willing to say, this is relationship is what I'm looking for. So with God, I've got to put him first. I want to understand what it means to be transformed, resurrected to a new life so that I can please this relationship in every way. God's given me everything he has. He's asked me just to simply love him back with what I can. I'll never be able to match what God gave, but I at least can give everything. I gotta have my life transformed in attitudes, my ways of thinking, my vocabulary, my mission in life, what I'm about, what I'm doing. I, got, I had to transform all those things. How would I ever do that without the power of God? On my own? Getting it out? I can do this! I can do it! I can do it! Am I going to walk around all day like that? Everybody's going to think I'm weird. Like when the guys yell at each other in the gym, one more! You can do it! Pump and crank it! What would you do with somebody like that? How would you talk to somebody like that? I don't know. But I know I've got to change some things I'll never be able to do on my own. No matter how hard I gut it out. I've got to go to God in the resurrection because some serious things are going to have to change that I have no power on my own to change. But I want them to. And I'm willing to pay a price to do that, to know how to do that with God. Are you? Are you there? Oh, Sean, come on up, bro. Happy birthday. I stuck this in my Bible, and it was by, by Philippians 3, and it, I realized I couldn't hardly turn there because it's stiffer than the Bible pages, so I had to get it out of my Bible, man. Happy birthday. Woo! Lastly here, uh, I want fellowship with the suffering along with those who are doing the same. I realize life's not about me padding life and making it as easy as I can. And whatever I have to suffer to continue to carry this cross and live a resurrected life, I want to. We live in a day and age 
in a country that the, about as much as you're going to get is a guy flipping off an invitation off your table at McDonald's. That's about all you're going to get. That's okay. And even if it's more, that's okay. Because I'm willing to suffer for this. I want the relationship that bad. And whatever it's going to take, I want to pay that price. And I want to do with other people doing the same thing. It's, it's time to, to, in my life that I, I realized I had to get to the point when it came to my Christianity, I can't make any more excuses for myself. It'll be a challenge, but I want this. I can't walk around with the same old attitude. It's just not fair. Look what everybody else is doing. I've got to do this along with other people if I'm ever going to have a chance of sticking with it. They're doing the same thing I'm trying to do. You get to choose what you want. It's the love of God. It's free will. It's frustrating free will, but you have it. And too many times when I sit down in conversion counseling times with people and study the Bible, I feel like, and I tell them, I feel like I want this more for you than you want it for yourself. They say, yeah, I guess you're right. I want you to have this relationship more than you want it. Yeah, you're right. What are the blocks? And we talk about them, this, this, this. Do you want to give those up? Uh, last one, uh, maybe not. I appreciate your honesty. Do you want to get there? If so, we, we can help. We've all been through that. If not, I no longer try to make sure that I can because I did that too many times as a young minister. I twisted too many arms and drove too many people away. But you still get the choice. It's free will. There's a cross that looms out there. And it will be till the last human lives calling us to carry this cross, follow me, to live a resurrected life. You get the choice. And you say, well, I do. Where do I start? Please get in the Bible. Where do I start? Do I start reading Genesis 1-1 and start? That wouldn't be bad, but you might get a little lost. I understand. Get with somebody that you know here. Talk to me. I can make sure somebody uh, sit down with you and start opening the Bible. Somebody that knows it well and will be able to give you some direction. Find out where do I go with the scriptures? How do I live a resurrected life? How do I keep carrying that cross? Some of us may think, well, I used to carry, but I don't anymore. Well, let's help with that again, okay? Let somebody in. Come on. Yep. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us opportunity on, on this Easter day. Yes, it's, uh, it's fun to have Easter egg hunts like we had over at University Park this morning before church. It's fun to have a chocolate uh, uh, Christmas. <laughs> it's fun to have some Easter bunny. I want to take that home. And yeah, it's, it's nice. Thank you, God, for those nice things. But it's not the Christian life. It's not the life of a disciple. We're willing to say no to the world and carry our cross daily and live a resurrected life. Thank you, God, for giving us that chance. That you love us that much that you even give us a way back. I pray we'll take it. And we'll embrace those who want to help us.
And not simply push them away because we're afraid. Help us, Father, give us the direction. Make it clear, make it understandable. Help us get into your word. Since then we pray. Amen.